What's up, guys? Welcome back to the podcast. We are on episode number 27, and this one is going to feature Legends of Ultima. And I've gotten a whole bunch of uh, you know messages from people asking me, hey, what do I think about you know Legends of Ultima? What are my thoughts and all that? So what people didn't know is I've been talking with Stimwalt, one of the developers for uh, Legends of Ultima, for quite a while now. And I'm, I'm very happy that we finally get to um, link up and kind of discuss in depth, you know, what what is this project all about? Now, I, I will share with you, I did have some firsthand experience, and I, I want to preface this because I don't know, you know, months, years on from now, this was the test center build, right? This isn't, I don't think this is the production build, but I did have firsthand experience. I got to... Uh, Go around to dungeons uh, you know I, I definitely got to get my feet wet and so i do have some initial impressions and opinions um stimwalt is a developer on the project but he is also obviously a you know huge uo fan and it was it's kind of cool to see his progression from uo player now all the way to developer right and to make this very clear because this is something that's a little different is I think there are some different legalities with, you know, using this engine for UO. I don't know, you know, I'm obviously not a lawyer, so I don't know how that works. But I will say they're they're running this project as really like a nonprofit, right? Like it's not going to have a traditional, I think, cash shop that we see in other shards, right? And I'm not talking about pay to win, but just, you know, cosmetic stuff. I don't think they're going to have a lot of that like the other shards do. So... Some people may like that, some may not. But um, it's very interesting to see at its core, right, who are the people that are designing this. So I want to give my my initial impressions, and I want to also say this is my personal uh, Mustache Gaming's impressions. I have nothing you know, behind this other than my actual gameplay. Uh, I'll start off with a lot of the pros they have absolutely replicated UO in a 3D engine. 100,000%, no doubt in my mind, you log in and you're going to say, okay, I'm in UO, right? You're going to say, got it, like, no problem. So I think um, that's going to be a huge pro on this list is it is accurate. Now, I don't know if we broke down what era... This is, I think it's a bit mixed. You know, I don't I don't think, based on talking to Stimwalt, there was like a specific era they wanted to replicate. It was basically, here is UO 2.0 on a 3D engine, go, right? And this has been in development for, you know, I think over four years, I don't remember, but it's been a while. So this thing's been worked on, you know, for quite some time. Um, the other pros, obviously, are going to be right off the bat, the graphics and really the overall performance um i'm running you know i'm running a 3080 card on my rig 1440p and i ran ultra settings you know max fps no pro no dips at all uh we went to some dungeons no problem the new like spells that are cast the you know summons that kind of thing is very cool um, you know, it, it definitely brought a smile to my face and I know it will for you guys because you're just like, damn, this, this is what I'm not gonna say all, but some people have been asking for, right? 
man, I would really play UO again if it was 3D or I could I could attract, you know, my friend to play because, yeah, this is a 3D engine now, right? So it's very interesting. Um, the other pros uh, going down this list, um, I think, are the devs themselves is a huge pro that, you know, at least, and I can speak for Stimwell because I talked to them, you know, they are very passionate about this project. There are no ulterior motives other than to provide UO in this 3D setting, which, which quite frankly, is just cool. I mean, there's no doubt this is cutting edge next level. Um, now, I'll, I'm going to, you know, flip on, on, the, on the con side. I will say there are still bugs, you know, to be ironed out that I experienced in the test center. That's not a dig at all at them. It's just, it is what it is. There's bugs. And I think they know that. No big surprise. They're still ironing out all the, all the fine details. Got to remember, bringing in a UO-like code onto a new engine, I, I can't even imagine the undertaking because UO at its core is very complex. <laughs> at least in my mind, it's not an easy system to either understand or probably even code. I don't know. Um, but I, I would say that bugs... Um, I didn't get to encounter NPCs on the test build. They weren't spawned yet. So I, you know, I don't even say it's a con. It's just something I didn't experience. Um, I will say my biggest con, and I think they're working on it, is the lighting. Um, I've, I've gotten that comment from a lot of other people too. When you get in there, the game's just a little bit darker, right, than what we remember, you know, in, in our classic UO. Now, some may really like it i liked it for about five minutes and then i'm like okay i want to turn on the lights <laughs> i'm over it right so i i know stimwall did say they are working on that to make it brighter i i don't know what the final build will have i mean this this does launch again june 20th 2021 um so we'll kind of see um how that all fleshes out because while yeah it does add some you know risk and you know ooh, it's kind of dark and stuff i don't I personally probably will not have the patience to deal with that long term uh, for me because, in, in you know, I load up UO, it's just bright. I don't, I don't you know, I, I mean, I can turn off nights or whatever, right? And, and kind of, but I rarely do that. There's just, that's not something that drives me, that kind of environment. Um, so I think they're going to work on that. That should be fine. Um, the other potential con, you know, that I'll put on there is really, this is to be seen, is the community. I am extremely curious what kind of community this is going to attract um, because some shards have, you know, one of the most toxic communities while other shards have the nice, you know what I'm saying? There's a very wide mix of classic UO um, shards. This one, I really, I'm, I'm curious to see. Um, you know, I, I will tell you, in their Discord server alone, to give you guys some straight numbers and facts um, about this, there are almost 5,000 people total in their Discord. And, and as we speak, there's 1,000 online. Okay? My estimates, uh, and this is, again, a, a speculation. I, I don't know. I would assume worldwide there's probably 10,000 UO players. Is my soft estimate, you know, playing OSI, private charge, whatever, right? Just, just globally. Out of, out of that, I think if they could at least attract a thousand people to this, it has a chance to be something special. Because my take, 
and this has always been my stance in day one, is population makes UO successful. Without population, I really don't care what systems you have, how good it looks. It just, it feels dead, right? So I think, you know, population is still a huge thing for people. Um, and we, we've, been, we've seen this even with a couple of uh, new servers that are going to release. We're going to talk about that on another episode. But um, population is a huge part of UO. It makes it feel alive. It makes it feel special. It, you know, because a lot of times people ask me, hey, why you put UO, you know, why, why are you doing this again? And I'm like, man, I'm not doing it again. UO is just different every single experience. Am I going to get PK'd? Am I going to PK someone? Is someone going to steal my stuff? Am I going to die from a mob like an idiot, you know, do something stupid? It's always something different. That is the UO magic that we really don't find in other games that are on the rails. Now, upon talking with Stemont and you're kind of hearing this conversation, I think they have some really interesting things that are coming up that is different. It, it's not a replication of UO one for one, right? Like the skills are, of course, that, but there's going to be different events. There's some different, you know, uh, monsters and stuff. So there's a lot of different things that they're going to throw. And I, I think for the people that are going to play it, you know, it, it's good. They're in for a treat. It's 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 one of one, right? No one's really attempted this before, um, and, and there's been a lot of speculation of people like, oh, I would build a UO 2.0, you know, kind of water cooler talk, right? It never comes to fruition, but here it is. So I, I am I'm extremely interested in the community adaptation to this. My uh, people have been asking, am I going to play it? When I played the test center, it didn't grab me like UO did, and to be, you know, quite honest and truthful with everyone, I've never said, you know, hey, UO needs better graphics. Me personally. So I don't know if I'm the target audience for this, like, project, right? But that's okay. I still appreciate it a lot because this, like, to, to me, as long as someone's playing some sort of UO, that's a win, right? And, uh, you know, I think it would be very interesting to see, like, if you invited your friend, right, to play Legends of Ultima, they log in and it's like, oh, wow, this is 3D, it's got, you know, nice graphics. There, there's no, as opposed to the 2D, you log in, you're like, dude, you, you playing back in the 90s, man, this sucks. You know, right, stuff like that. Um, so I'm super curious. Um, I know this intro is a little bit longer than normal, but this is a bit of a unique project where it's, it's, there's a lot of things getting to this, to the finish line. Um, so uh, once again, uh, Stimwall, uh, thank you very much. It was a pleasure talking to you. And I hope you guys sincerely um, enjoy this episode. Don't forget, uh, I stream on Twitch. I'm also going to be streaming on YouTube once a week, trying to um, gather there. I really want to switch over to YouTube. So if you guys are looking for a way to support, you know, the podcast, jump on Twitch, throw me the free, you know, Amazon Prime subscription. I, I truly appreciate it. That's something that, you know, if you have Amazon Prime, it's free. You don't have to do anything. Uh, but uh, please uh, send me an email as well. Let me know if you've tried Legends of Ultima. Have you followed the project? Will you be playing it? You know, definitely uh, keep me informed and let me know. Thanks, guys. We'll catch you next time. All right, guys. I am here with Stimwalt. And uh, this conversation, I think, uh, has been perhaps months in the making. I don't even know, but it, it, maybe more than that. Right, Stimwald, I think? Oh, yeah, definitely. We've been talking for a while. so. <laughs> yeah, so I am, um, I'm 
absolutely thrilled to have you on. So first of all, thank you for your time for coming on here to talk with me. Oh yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And you know, I think what's very unique about uh, this conversation is this is one of the few times uh, where we get to talk to not only a UO player, but more of a dev, you know, mind behind it, uh, which I always find fascinating because in, in my opinion, I think sometimes, you know, developers, coders, whatever, they think a little bit differently than a guy like me who's just playing the game. Yeah, I mean, sometimes uh, sometimes that is true. Um, I'd like to think of myself as a player first. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the weird thing is uh, Ultima Online really sort of, I don't know, birthed me into becoming a coder. So I was never super interested in programming until right. I played Ultima Online. Um, <laughs> oh, because yeah. of all the scripting and whatnot. So that actually made me, you know, have an interest in programming in, in the first place. Yeah. And so let's get right into it. Where, um, where is the origin of your name? How did you, where's, what's Stimwalt? What does that mean? Oh, so, so Stimwalt was actually a name that I used sort of after my PK era. Okay. So it's a, it's a pretty long story, but I started off, um, originally, I was watching my brother play a game, an online game at home. Okay. Um, and I was playing Warcraft, um, Diablo one. Yeah. Um, doom on my Pentium two Celeron. Did it have the turbo button or no, no, no turbo <laughs> button, but I had a, a nice, uh, what was a 28.8 robotics modem. And I was playing yeah. with my, my friends, Warcraft one. Um, and then my brother came home from electronics boutique. I don't know if that's still a thing anymore. Was it um, EB we, games, right? It was it EB Games or Electronics Boutique? I don't even remember. I Maybe that was the original it. name. Yeah, you might be right. Yeah, I just know we called it EB for short. And um, so he came home. It was like one Friday night, and uh, he he popped out, opened this CD that had this like orange dragon on it. I was like, "What is this?" Yeah. Um, and he logged in, and uh, his his character's name was Siegfried. I'll never forget it. And uh, I guess he started in Cove, and he ran to the Orc Fort. And I was just <laughs> watching over his shoulder. I'm like, what is this game? And he's like telling me as we go, like, oh, this, this is an online game. Like you can play with, you know, thousands of people. I'm like, what? Right. Thousands of people. I'm sitting here doing a, like a direct connection over Warcraft <laughs> yeah, with yeah. one person right. while I'm on the phone with them. And no, but so he walks into the orc fort, right? And suddenly he gets fireballed by four red mages that were hiding there. <laughs> and then I watch him as he's like, you know, raging at the computer while these guys are looting his, his corpse and just putting all their, all of his stuff in their backpacks <laughs> and like taunting them. And like, he basically gave up on the game that day. And wow. I immediately sat down, created a character in Minoc and tried to go over there and kill those guys. <laughs> Awesome. Okay. Like, that's, that's literally how my, my UO experience began was vengeance. <laughs> well, and I think what's so, and I guess I find this extremely interesting is back then, you know, there, there really wasn't like ridiculous, you know, guerrilla marketing online to get a game out there. There wasn't, you know, going to YouTube and saying blank game review, right? That didn't exist. Right, right. I mean, it, it was, it was really, and this is so wild to me, how, how could this be word of mouth for millions <laughs> at the peak, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's just totally crazy how it, how it all worked out. I mean, and then just through word of mouth, people 
would go to school. I went to middle school, told all my friends about it. They all signed up. Um, we all had this little guild of PK archers. And my first character's name was uh, Hermes. And right. like, we, we'd run around, and this was like, what, early 1998? Um, I'm not, how, uh, how early did you play? Were you in the old school era? So or? I played, um, I guess, after, like, at the T2X, because I played with Delusion. T2A, yeah. That, okay. I remember, like, you know, stealing the, trying to get the black sandals, stealing the fruit baskets. Okay. At that nice. era is when I started, yeah. Nice. Yeah, I, I love that era, too. That's actually one of my favorites. Um, but, but yeah, we would run around. We had no horses. And right. <laughs> we just had these heavy crossbows with bolts, and, and like, you know, we're chugging along real choppy-like. That's how it was with 56K modems. And yeah. We're just PKing people. We had these really crappy tents with a single chest in it do you remember that that may have been before. I, no before yeah I, I never experienced the tent era now what right what shard did you pick chesapeake so that was, for me was the fastest server oh uh, so you actually picked based on speed or ping right because you sort it by did. ping or? yeah because i mean i built my own computer back then i was a bit of a computer nerd just because i was oh. in pc gaming and okay. the first server i ever pinged in my life was a uo server ah and, that's uh, interesting okay and that's, that's how I figured out um, that Chesapeake was the fastest for me. So that's what I loaded up on. I told all my friends to load up on the fastest one too. Right. And okay, so you pick Chesapeake, you know, walk me through when you, when you're creating a character, it seemed like you just wanted vengeance. So you were going more yeah. towards a combat style, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, my brother just died and he was mad and I was like, oh, <laughs> these guys, <laughs> no problem. You yeah. know? And so I just immediately made an archer. Cause I was like, well, I can't get, They're, they have ranged spells. Right. So maybe if I hit them with arrows, I'll have a chance. Right. And so I just quickly made an archer, like, you know, 50 archery, 50 tactics. And I, I didn't know anything about the game except what my brother told me. Sure. Um, yeah. and, and so then I just ran over to the orc fort and they weren't there. <laughs> <laughs> and of course. Right, and I think, well, it's funny to hear that, that, yeah, the orcs have been hiding in the orc fort since, you know, 22 years ago. Which is <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, 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 I don't know if it was the orcs or not. I can't actually remember if they were orcs or if they were just mages that were, you know, uh, anyway, it doesn't really matter. It's, it sounds like an orc thing because I don't think yeah. back then, like, stealth PKing was a real thing. No. No, I mean, we did it. We learned it from the orcs, I guess. It was, I guess it was the orcs. Um, yeah. But that's what we did. We started hanging out hidden in areas, choke points, and wait for people to run by and just, bam, hit them with heavy crossbow bolts. And they would just, you know, drop, whether it was their internet connection or right. they had no armor on. Yeah, but, people forget yeah. the connection lost message was just certain death. <laughs> or like you're you're in an intense battle as a PK and then like your mom picks up the phone, which is the only phone line that you're using to right. connect to the internet. Oh yeah. And then you know that happened. Um and I remember like waking up super early in the morning, like 3 a.m. and going downstairs. And my parents didn't want me to obviously play games at three o'clock in the morning when I was supposed right. to be going to school. And so I'd take pillows and put them on top of the modem. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't so that hear it. it wouldn't make noise oh, oh yeah my god yeah well, so i mean the extent that this game had a draw on me was just it's no other game has been like that really. right and now how did you pitch to your parents about the monthly fee uh i worked 
I actually, oh, okay. I, I mean, I, I started working at like 14 and a half because in my state we were allowed to work that early. Sure. Um, and I was just I was bagging groceries, mopping floors. I was paying for it. Perfect. So she was like, all right. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Um, (laughs) Cause I, cause that, I mean, that was a radical concept, a monthly subscription. Absolutely. I mean, that was nuts. Um, So, okay. So you're on Chesapeake. Um, What, it sounds like you went more an archer play style. What, what did you end up like really enjoying? So for like the old school era, you know, we had uh, a small guild of, of, of basically friends from my school yeah. And we were all red archers because heavy crossbows at that time just hit like trucks. And it right. just didn't make it didn't make sense to be anything else at that time. If you wanted to kill players quickly, that was right. just what you were. So we stayed on that meta for a while. Um until eventually one day um we uh, accrued enough wealth to buy a tower and we placed that tower. And then we bought three smaller tents and we okay. surrounded those tents around the entrance of our tower. And then nice. we marked runes in front. And what, what this allowed us to do is to sort of recall back to our house safely and nobody could attack us. Right, kind of like a courtyard scenario, yeah. Right. And, and what we would do is if one of us died, we'd place a water barrel on that spot. So if an anti-PK tried to come and get us, they would recall into a blocked location. Right. And sometimes you. after we died, we would, we would just sit there and listen to them try to recall in and laugh. But, <laughs> um Back in the day, you had to have a vendor in front of your house to hold your house key because okay. there were no changing of locks. There was right. no lockdowns of any kind. If you lost your key, you lost your house. And that's just how it was. And one day we lost our house. And so that oh, sort of man. ended that era of just, you know, reckless PKing. And um, and then I, I made a sort of a, um, I don't know, not an anti-PK, but more of a Guild Wars style um, Halley mage in the, uh, the second age era. Right. Okay. And like now knowing what you know now, like what, you know, really, what does a sandbox kind of mean to you after, you know, kind of this experience? I would say it's about freedom, freedom to make uh, choices, having free will, um, having an ample amount of risk and reward. Right. Uh, Removal of invisible walls, which we see in like every game now. Like you can't go here because you are leaving the missions area. Yeah. You can't pick this up because it's not actually pick upable. You know, I mean, the lack of physics in a lot of games. um, I mean, in a a title I just played, which I really enjoyed, you walk into your room and there's cups and there's plates and there's chairs and you can't sit in the chair. You can't pick up the plate. You you know, you owe... um, in its time was just totally revolutionary and that you can almost interact with all of the objects in the world. So in my mind, I think the physics is like one of the biggest things for a good sandbox. Well, and and I, I never understood, you know, even to this day, why have some of the things, you know, we see in UO even right now, why haven't they been replicated? You know, it makes no sense to me. Well, the the truth is, when UO first came out, it was a giant pile of bugs. You right. know, it was a lot of really great ideas and a lot of uh, depth and complexity of ideas, but it was a bunch of untested ideas. And so, you know, in the sense of, you know, will there ever be a UO again from like 1998 with, you know, I don't know, 70,000 exploits? And <laughs> yeah, um, I would hope not, not in that sense. Not the exploit sense, but 
you know, maybe in the like base mechanics of the game, the thing, the things that people enjoy doing, like the play styles, the monsters, the dungeons, the map, um, you know, with some modernization, those, those are things that you can resurrect if you will, or bring back, but you know, no one is going to want to bring back, you know, the ability to break into someone's home and take everything that, that they own, um, Yeah, no, I, I, it's never coming back. So I completely agree. Um, in the fact that I, and and to me personally, I don't think we as players would want the experience we had back then in terms of some of the real lows. However, you know, like with housing, you know, it's like anytime I play a game, you go enter a house and it's like a loading screen. It's like, well, it's very (laughs) meaningless, right? Yeah, you don't want instance housing. That that is really, and it's funny because I've heard that said uh, numer- numerous times talking to a lot of people. It's like, why is it that modern games like to instance housing? Yeah, or they like to instance everything. Um, and you know, it just it depends on the performance and the optimization of what they have done, what they have built. In, in a lot of games like Shroud of the Avatar, yeah, uh, by Garriott. I believe, and I could be wrong because I haven't played the game in many, many years, but uh, I think they went instanced housing. Um, and, you know, for a lot of folks, that that just kind of kills it. because I don't know a, if I, they may have at one point because, I mean, truth be told, were, this is my opinion. I don't know this for a fact, but I think it had a huge identity crisis when it came out, right? Oh, definitely. And yeah. it kind of did this morphing and I think right now current day like as of, you know, May 23rd. Yeah, it's on a good track, but gosh, you know, it took <laughs> so long to get there. I don't know yeah. if it's too little too late, but I, I don't I would be shocked if it's instance housing. I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I know that I backed it a while ago and it had some things in it that I thought were interesting. Right. It had some aspects that I, that I thought were like too big of a departure from, from UO. Yeah. Um, And I I don't remember, I can't tell you for a fact that it has instance housing, but, but it, but that kind of style of game where you load into your own little world to, to, you know, store your stuff. I mean, that's, that goes against what Ultima Online really is. I mean, you, your housing is supposed to be in a persistent state in the world where other players, if they you know walk into your house, can interact with that that world. Right. And, and I think so, uh, to your point is the objects in the world, too. Like, I mean, you play exactly. World of Warcraft or whatever. It, it, just, it feels so meaningless. Like it, it's <laughs> right. That, that's my opinion. It just it feels that way, you know, where no, I agree. You know, and I don't and, and I want to, you know, as I get older in my head, I'm thinking, is it optimization? Is it because these games have millions of people, you know, I, I don't know. I don't get it because UO pulled it off rather, you know, with maybe less, lesser graphics, obviously, but they did still pull it off, you know, so it, it should be possible in my mind, but yeah, it is, no, it is possible. I mean, for, I mean, we, we definitely have it. So we, right. we have housing that's not instant. So it is possible, you know, it just, it gets into, especially with AAA studios, it gets into, you know, what makes uh, sense to the business to focus their time on. Um, Bingo, yeah. Unfortunately, that in a lot of respects for businesses, it puts the players' concerns at the very, very bottom of the list. Um, You know, and they they run metrics and numbers and they make decisions based upon that. Um, Yeah, sure. Now, so... You sound like you were, you know, definitely in a PK, you know, mode. Did you ever do crafting or anything like that? 
Yeah, I was a crafter. I, I did a little bit of mining. Like when I first started playing, I was a miner. Okay. And uh, I was in Minoc. That was my favorite city. Um, <laughs> yeah, sure. And and I made a bunch of bunch of armor and weapons and shields. And I had a vendor. And um, I also got into alchemy, sold potions, healing potions, and stuff like that. Um, we referred to that character as our blue mule. Right. I'm not okay. sure if you've heard that, but yeah. Yeah. So our, our mules would basically uh, gear up our, our PKs. Sure, um, yeah. Or our PVPers. But yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, I was primarily um, into PVP. That and definitely my, my thing, so. And what kind of, like, drew you just to keep playing UO? Because obviously other games are releasing, right? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing was the social aspect, which, you know, I think some people might find odd. Uh, <laughs> but for me, Ultima Online was like the best chat program that had ever been made up to that point. Like just being in the world and talking to people and you would just type on your keyboard and the text would pop above your head. I mean, it was just revolutionary right. back in 1998. So the social aspect of it was a big pull for me. Also, like I said, a lot of my friends in you know, at school, we're also playing the game. So that kept me playing it as well. Um, but it's just the risk and the reward. I mean, going into a dungeon, almost dying, you know, your heart's beating, uh, you die and, you, you know, you have this horrible feeling of loss. And then, you know, you come back the next day and you're like, well, next time I'll do better. And you just sort of have that constant push and pull of, you know, the the risk and the reward that was just baked into the game. Right. Um, so it was almost like a dopamine hit to to an extent. Like you just you just you kept coming back to it because it, it had sort of an addictive nature to it. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of uh, the social aspect, the power of repetition. You know, where yes. it's like it, it's hard to explain to people what a Friday night or Saturday night felt like when you were about to log into UO for about a good eight hours and stay up all night. <laughs> Right. right. It just, it hit right. differently. <laughs> it hits, it hits totally differently. Exactly. And like, there's nothing, I can't even describe the feeling of being chased by three people after you successfully, you know, I don't know, killed somebody or looted somebody. And they're, they've been chasing you for 20 minutes. Your hands are sweating. Right. You're still trying to run away from them. They're still in hot pursuit. You still haven't escaped. You've been running for 20 straight minutes. There's no other game like that that I've ever played where like you're physically like physically reacting to the game. Right. Um, and well, so that kind of thrill is just hard to replicate. And it's funny because a lot of people will ask, you know, me, you know, hey, why don't you um, do something organized, you know, PVP? And it just it doesn't do anything for me. Like I've never been a good duelist in the arena or I never really got into that because it's just. You know, it doesn't give me that same risk reward, you know, like. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally get it. I mean, you got people that hang out in the duel pits and like, you know, they're, they're dueling nonstop every day. And yeah. Like, you know, maybe they're the top of that certain scenario, but a lot of folks forget that the field combat of UL is what most people remember fondly and want to replicate. It's not the one-on-one -on -one encounters. Yeah. Right? Cause I mean, at least that is for me. Maybe yeah, for you too. Well, to me, you know, if I want a true arena experience, I'm going to play a AAA MMO where right. exactly. it's very meaningful for me to be top whatever, right? Out of millions. Yeah, that's yeah. what I would do. But I just, it doesn't, you know, like, if, for instance, you know, last night we had an encounter with the orcs and there's just certain things that unfold that I've just never been able to replicate, even to this day. And it's just, it's so fun because... 
And I love the field combat of just UO in general because I never know what is coming around the corner. I don't. Yeah, it's different every single time. And that's what makes it so beautiful, wonderful, and unique. Right. Um, You know, and I think there's something to be said that, you know, it's very difficult, I think, to find a balance uh, in these games, you know, to keep people interested, keep risk reward. When I think about it in a very, you know, larger sense, you know, UO is is a huge pain, (laughs) you know, to try to manage or anything. Oh, absolutely. And like just trying to teach it to someone else. I mean, have you ever tried to show someone who's never played a game like UO or UO before, like just how to do something? It's hard. I mean, right. <laughs> like, well, no, first what you have to do, <laughs> you have to go to this vendor and you have to say vendor buy. I mean, you could click on it and go to the vendor buy option, but just type vendor buy. Okay. And then when you go to the bank, just type bank and hit enter. Yeah. Oh, I remember walk up to the guy, you know, so there's so much like, you know, minutia. And, yeah. and nuance that if you have to put it into words to explain to someone that's new, it it's very complex. Well, and I remember showing my son and, and it was like I was getting frustrated explaining it, you know, because of how outrageous. Oh, he's like, oh, can I just click this to heal muscle? And now you need Band-Aids. He's like, oh, what do you mean? How do I get Band-Aids? And, so, and, it, and it like rattles <laughs> into this super complex rabbit hole where I'm like, wow, that is that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It is a lot. And the, the depth of systems, the, and, you know, Ultima Online was really sort of the, I don't know, the not the reimagining of the original Ultima games, but sort of their MMO or the multiplayer take on the Ultima game. So a lot of it was derived from those older games. Yeah. And they just put it all into one giant, you know, MMORPG sort of Dungeons and Dragons Online feel. And that's what right. Ultima Online became. Um, but a lot of those systems, they were, they were buggy. They were, they were filled with exploits. I mean, do you remember some of the housing exploits or? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I still play with Ash Chopper. So. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. He's (laughs) literally in our guild and we're, you know, he's, he's actually, now it's very funny. He has migrated from, you know, an elite, you know, I don't know bug exploiter and he's pretty much the quartermaster right now for the guild he makes our armor he mines i mean <laughs> he funny. it's just it's so funny how like just it's just changed over the years and you know it's wild to have this experience even you know to this day it's just it's so crazy but yeah i i do remember a lot of um those kind of interesting exploits <laughs> yeah i mean i can give you a couple just just off the top of my head cuz i was a bit of a collector of exploits back then um uh, do you remember how you could open up moon gates and anything would go in anything at all monsters like you could gate it yeah so like uh. we would go we would go to like level 4 covetous or level 4 you know shame and we would gate dragons to the choke point of like the brit graveyard and then right. we would recall into the other side and like all the newbies would be running away from the dragons as we would like pelt them with arrows on the other side. <laughs> and it, it took OSI like, I don't know, six or seven months to finally patch moon gates to not transfer monsters. I mean, it was just, wow. it was crazy. You could release dragons if you had tamed them in town and the guards wouldn't kill them immediately. They would just right. kill. Um, the mages in wind would deal no damage to you because at that time the magic in town uh, wouldn't deal any damage to you, but you could GM off of them in two days. 
So we all use that on our PKs to get GM resist in two days. And then that's we, crazy. You know, in PVP, we were just incredibly powerful. And oh my God. Um, do you remember when deers had no pet slots and you no. could just keep taming endless amounts of deers until you had an army of 40 deers? So, you know, I didn't, and it's funny because like on, on Ass Trapper's site, I never could get in like, cause I never had a bug to submit so I could like see the private uh -huh. stuff. So I, you know, back then, you know, I didn't really know anyone that was like exploding or had any good bugs. So I, I you know, I would have definitely used them for sure, but I, I just didn't know about them. I mean, I knew they existed. I just didn't know what they actually were. It was like some closed guarded secret, you know? Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was when you were playing UO2 back on Chesapeake, it, it was certain guilds knew them, like uh, the KOC, Keepers of Chaos. They were uh, my buddies, um, Oinland, OIN, uh, ZS, the Death Jesters. These are all Chesapeake guilds. Just wanted to name them since a lot of them are uh, still around, still active. Right. But, but yeah, they would collect these exploits and share them and... Um, man, they had they had an enormous amount. I mean, you could break into homes with the with the summon demon. Oh, all wow. you would do is run run to the opposite side of the demon or run to the opposite side of the house with the demon standing in front of the door, and you say, <laughs> "Oh, follow me," and the demon would open up the door even if it was locked. Well, then, Chopper <laughs> said this is the the best bug he was never able to replicate. Someone like submitted it. He said there was a way to make a house instantly idoc. Well, no, that's new. I haven't seen. I, haven't I don't. Well, cool. he was never able to, you know, confirm yeah. its existence because yeah. it just didn't work for him. But I'm like, maybe it worked for a short time because that would have been a, I mean, a damn near game breaking. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, you could stack um, blacksmith aprons on top of each other and just run up them and jump over the gate of the double forgery or the large house with the, the oh, patio. Okay. You wow. could uh, do. A, there was a moon gate bug where you could put sacks of flour all around you and cast moon gate and the gate would open in front of you. So you would enter, mark another rune and rinse and repeat until you were under the house. You would log out, log back in and pop inside the house. Man, the, I, the, the amount of exploits were just unbelievable in the old school era that it was just so damaging to the game. So I was the guy that was hiding and then repairing for free thinking I was getting, you know, a one up. <laughs> That's the extent so, of my bugs. Yeah. Stuff. <laughs> but, but like it got so complex, like we were putting crates in front of our homes to sort of uh, prevent people from breaking into our homes as we were breaking into others. homes. <laughs> right. Well, and it was interesting talking to like Garrett where he, he gave me another you know, spin on this where he's like, imagine just building a city, you putting all the services you think are going to work and then inviting a hundred thousand people to run wild. Exactly. <laughs> That's what happened. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. So uh, not, I don't envy their position at all. Um, but oh, okay. It's totally, I mean, it, it was wonderful and it was also something that I don't think any game could ever recreate is that, you know, I don't think any game could ever have those amount of systems, the sheer number of complex systems right. release at the same time that were not fully tested. I mean that it'll, it'll never happen again. I don't think so. Yeah, um, no, I, I completely agree with that. And, but, <laughs> and so moving from, you know, after you guys lost your house, I know you were talking about that, mm -hmm. you know, let's try to change gears more into like modern times, you know, what happened to UO throughout the years and you don't have to give me a, you know, a long, 
drawn out story, but kind of how do we, how do we fast forward to like the private shard era? Yeah, sure. So. Hey guys, quick sponsored uh, commercial break here. Um, this podcast specifically is sponsored by death wish coffee. I want y'all to head over deathwishcoffee.com. Use code Ultima online. It's a special code that only is available for listeners of this podcast. It gets you a nice discount. Look, the fact is, I'm sure everyone drinks coffee. I know I do. I use this product. I've been using it for about three, four years now. I've been sipping Death Wish coffee. It is unbelievable. If you want to support me, you want to support this podcast, you believe in my vision, let me tell you, Death Wish is basically literally fueling me with coffee to pursue my passion, which is expanding this podcast as far as we can go. So please check them out. And honestly, give me some feedback. Let me know if you guys have tried it. I know I've gotten a couple people have already ordered stuff. Uh, Sincerely, thank you. But uh, thank you very much, guys. Well, I mean, for me personally, there was the the T2A era and the uh, the Renaissance era, which were both really fun. Yeah. Renaissance introduced Trammel, and then that really, uh, really divided the player base there. Um, and, you know, for me personally, the introduction of Trammel was sort of the end of my gaming experience for UO. Yeah. Um, it just was because there wasn't the risk and the, and the reward that I liked. We lost a huge amount of players to EverQuest and other games that, you know, provided the the, uh, the Paladin bub- bubble. Right. People. Well, and, and that uh, was a bigger trammel with better graphics. Mm-hmm. You right. know, really, for all intents and purposes, that's what EverQuest World of War, <laughs> that's what it is. I mean, just being mm-hmm. honest. Exactly. I mean, yeah. Exactly. But the great thing about the private shards, because I did return to the private shards many, many years later. Okay. Um, and I think it was like 2012 that I started dabbling in the private shards. And I... I did um, in Poor Yelm, I think first, which was more of a T2A PvP Wow, shard. yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and then I uh, later did UO Forever. I did a little bit of hybrid. Okay, um, and then um, much much later, maybe like well, only maybe two years ago, I tried Outlands as well. So, what was um, your experience with free shards? Like, what was your takeaway compare? You know, comparing the two. So I think. I think it depends. I mean, some free shards did more than others. Um, you know, some free shards would just put sort of a, a shop, a donation shop in the game and change yeah. a few things and then call it a server. And then other other shards really tried to try to really change the game fundamentally. Outlands is one that I think has done the best job at that. Yeah. Like fundamentally changing the game, um, making useless skills useful. That's probably the thing that I think Outlands has done the best compared to the other shards that I've well, played. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to PVP, I, I still think hybrids have done maybe one of the best jobs in, in terms of just having a really fun PVP experience. Um, yeah. And, you know, from my, from my personal opinion, I like to take ideas from all of these guys because I don't think anyone has really the best ideas. I think that everyone has ideas that, that may or may not fit sort of into our plan. I think too, it's the, execution the polish um there's certain things that you know outlines it differently where they took you know years to beta test instead of yeah. you know six months with a couple buddies <laughs> casting e-bolt right there there's certain things right. that they did differently that set them up for success because my this is my opinion i don't know if we'll ever see another outlands again you know i, I with this many people playing 
you know, I, I don't know if it'll be replicated um, like it has been. I just, I don't know because the yeah, last time. I, I, I couldn't tell you one way or the other. I mean, I think that what they've done with the custom map, yeah. no other private shard did that. So first of all, that's something that. Didn't Emporium did that? They had a, they had a custom. One of them had a custom map. Did they? Okay. Maybe I know one of them. It wasn't hybrid. It wasn't forever. It, one of them did. But remember, Empor Yelm, I think, like closed and Empor Yelm 2 came out. It was it a bit could of... Have been, yeah, it could have been a time when I wasn't playing. Yeah. So I may be mistaken about that. But f just from my recent memory, Outlands is the only one that did their own custom map. Yes. Um, and, and so that is a huge differentiator from all the other private shards. Um, and so, I mean, that alone is going to separate them from from the rest of those guys. Right. They've also done things with skills that no one else has done either. So I don't want to say it's just the custom map. Um, and I, I personally played UO Forever for a while, and I actually played with several of the people that you've talked to on on the podcast already. So what was your experience? Uh, Gluttony and Sky. Yeah. I've played with both of them. So, um, But I guess, yeah, if I was to wrap it up, I'd say that all the private shards do offer something um, that we find valuable. And and so our our server is sort of, you know, taking inspiration from all of them. So we love the private shards. We, we want them to be successful because them being successful shows us that, that yeah. our game, you know, can have the draw that we, that we're expecting. Yeah. So. And so now we're going to kind of, you know, morph this into another conversation um, for everyone listening to you. I have gotten no less than, you know, five messages. Hey, you know, have you heard of Legends of Ultimo? You know, what do you think? I get people now, it seems like as we're getting closer weekly. What we're going to morph into this conversation is how, now you've kind of heard, you know, Stimwalt give his upbringing. Now I want to kind of understand, you know, how did, you know, this this whole project kind of go? And I guess Stimwalt, it might be, I'm going to let you explain it because obviously the one working on it. I would maybe explain this in, in a lens that, People who listen to this obviously understand Ultima Online completely. They right. may not understand like Legends of Area and all this other stuff. So do you want to go ahead and kind of give an intro about what you've been working on? Yeah. So, I mean, I guess to start off, I'll explain why I even played Legends of Aria to begin with. Yeah. I was uh, looking for a game that was like Ultima Online. I was typing into Google Ultima Online Alternative. Yeah. I was typing in like Ultima Online New. And the only thing I could find was a game called Shards Online, which I'd never heard of before. And then I dug deeper and it was called, it was rebranded to Legends of Aria. And so then I tried it out. I backed it for like 20 bucks or something. Yeah. And then I tried it out and I played it and, and I was like, you know, I mean, it, it's sort of like UO, but it really, it isn't. It's like its own sort of game. Yeah. And it's just like a mini game almost. Yeah. 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 And then shortly thereafter, I talked to, uh, to two guys that were trying to create a mod on that platform of legends of Aria to create an Ultima online successor game. Um, and then as soon as I heard that that was being done, I immediately joined the team and that was back in 2017. And just for everyone listening to understand, think of legends of Aria, like top down isometric view with like, 3d graphics is the best exactly. way to understand this okay yeah exactly so it's about as close to that as you can get for a 3d engine um and and so the legends of ultima mod or our game or a free shard it runs on that engine right um, and so if you ever backed legends of aria ever before 
before it became free on Steam, you can play our server for free. Got it. Okay. Um, and so you guys started in 2017. How did this, you know, how did this conversation all like get about or like what's some more kind of maybe behind the scenes stuff we don't know about? Yeah. So, I mean, we basically, we really wanted to take this engine and create, um, a, a modern Ultima online on it. And so we started like the very first thing I did was I went into the sewers, um, of, <laughs> yeah. of one of the starter dungeon dungeons that they had. And I created, um, bards like the barding skill, yeah. um, pro provo. And so I was like coding in, in the language that the, the platform uses. And I was getting one spider to attack another. And like the first time that I I got them to attack. I was like, wow, this is great. I guess now we're going to make Ultima on, <laughs> right. on this engine. Um, that's where it all started. And, you know, our team is completely volunteer. Um, we are supported via Patreon for just the server costs. Right. So we don't actually make any money doing this. Okay. But but we do take donations to keep the servers running because those aren't free. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we've been working for about four years and we have a very talented Unity developer who's created the UO map as as you know it. Um, wow, it's not okay. exactly one to one, but it it does have the towns and the dungeons that you remember. Um, and we're working to flesh out the entire world and also add our own um, additions to the world: new new islands, new dungeons, new regions that will all be inspired from Ultima lore, original Ultima lore. Um, awesome. So, okay. Like, you know, at a really high level, basically we've been coding nonstop for four years, trying to recreate, um, the, the source code that already exists out there for free for the private shards in a completely different engine. Um, and, and we reached, Oh yeah, good. Oh yeah. And we reached that point about two years ago. So we were at what I call like UO code complete about two years ago. And then we've been cranking pretty hard on modernizing it to our own flavor right. while at the same time building the UO map, the dungeons and our custom assets. So, you know, we're, we're we want to create Etons. We want to create headless ones. You know, we want to make it so it's UO in, in all shapes and forms. Right. Now, how, how was it like, you know, trying to implement, you know, some of these UO, we'll just say features or stuff like that in this engine, was it very difficult or how did that work? So um, it wasn't too difficult because we do have a lot of talented uh, programmers on our team, um, but it, it was time consuming. So, I mean, it, it took us a lot of time to look at some of the original formulas and then sort of convert them into a different language and then put them into the, the platform and then test them and make sure they actually work as they should in the new engine. So it wasn't necessarily difficult since we had a really good guide, I guess right. you would say. Um, from uh, the UO source code, we had a really good guide on on how to build these things, but it was very time consuming because that that source code is mature. It's thirty what I mean, almost thirty years old. Yeah. <laughs> how many people have touched it? How many people have refactored it? How many people have um, um, optimized it? You know, and that's the source code that that private shards use. Um, the emulators, um, I think it's in C sharp, but yeah. Now, walk me through, you know, so you got kind of the base, you know, system done. You know, how are you guys tackling bugs and all that kind of thing? Yeah, so we have a very modern uh, infrastructure. We have, um, you know, everything that you would need uh, to be successful as a software development company, but we do it all for free. 
Sure. And 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 so we, you know we fund it through the the Patreon if if we need those funds, but we have uh, all the infrastructure that we need, um, uh, infrastructures, code, and this is kind of really technical, but. Uh, but we have modern tools um, in order to keep everything tight and protected and backed up and, uh, you know, under under a tight lid so that everything is secure. Okay. And and when when does this release? June 20th. Okay, so June 20th. In, in, okay. In less than a month, it will come out uh, June 20th. For, for players that have already played our server, since the server has been around for many years now, yeah. um, they will be offered a transition that will occur from the old Celador map to the UL map. Um, and if you're a brand new player, then you will just log in on June 20th right into the UL world. Um, and you'll have a certain amount of towns, dungeons, points of interest that you can access immediately. Um, and then in the coming months, we will um, offer more regions and dungeons and whatnot. And I believe we plan to a week or two after release to open up housing. Okay. So, originally or initially when people joined the game on June 20th, everybody's going to be sort of racing to acquire wealth. Um, and then after a week or two, we will enable plots for housing. So there's going to be a big land rush when that occurs. And we wanted to make it fair or as fair as possible. Right. And uh, of course our rule set is risk versus reward. Um, Felucia. So it'd be interesting, be some interesting fights. <laughs> yeah. And you know, what is your, what is your goal with this project? Like what, what is the, you know, what are you trying to accomplish? The ultimate goal or the aim of the project is to create um, a true spiritual successor to Ultima online. So okay. not just to remaster the game or recreate it one-to-one, -one, but to continue the story from where it really didn't start. Um, like the original Ultima games, they all had very in-depth storylines and characters. Um, Ultima Online started with that. I think they had the intention of continuing the stories and, and, the, and the lore, but they kind of just didn't. They they focused on features and, and different kinds of content. So we're going to bring back characters from the original Ultima games. Okay. And they will be, they will be villains. They will be catalysts and they will be characters in our game that you may be able to interact with. You may have to fight. Um, there'll be world events. Um, so our ultimate goal is to really um, start anew. I mean, bring Ultima yeah. Online into the future and and tell the story that was never told. I guess. Yeah, and I and I mean, I'll tell everyone for listen, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit more. But you know, I have you know played you know boots on the ground, logged in and looked at it, and I mean it. You know, it, it's as close to a one for one as you could possibly get, uh, from what I could tell. Well, thank you. Um, and yeah, I, I do think you guys have. I think something very special that is, you know, one of one because, and I think we've, we've heard this, you know, throughout, I mean, we're all old and cranky now, but throughout, <laughs> you know, 22 years, we've, everyone said, you know, well, not everyone, but most people have said, gosh, if it just had better graphics in the modern day, this would be a runaway hit. Right. And mm -hmm. I, I kind of, I view this as a very interesting test to see, you know, Number one, how do people react to it? You know, how right. do you guys manage this? Because this thing could could spiral successfully very quickly. And I, I do think it, it's such an interesting thing for you because I because it's because it, every free shard and current Ultima, right? They go through the same things Garriott and Star Long went through 
22 years ago, right? Right. And I'm, and I'm super curious for you on your journey, you know, because you're going to encounter the same issues, right? It's just, I mean, yes, it's absolutely nicer graphics, but you know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. There's going to be bugs. There's going to be exploits. You know, the, the thing that we have on our side is we have very, very good telemetry or logging. Yeah. So we're, we're able to drill down. Um, we know uh, if you log into our server, we know a lot about you. Um, we know what you're doing. So, um, you know, and I didn't mean gonna... just, just so much about the bugs, but I'm saying like yeah, the yeah. design, the economy, how do I deal with gold, you know, in exactly five years from now, very important, yes. right? Cause you know, Outlands is only two to three years and I think, right. And you know, mm -hmm. they have some really, really good gold sinks where stuff is expensive, you know, and, and it's good because <laughs> it, yeah, yeah. keeps it flushing money out. Now there's always going to be the guy that hoards everything, never spends a dime. You can't really do anything about that, but you know, it's so complex, at least in my mind to manage an economy like this over time. It's very challenging. And, and the telemetry that I mentioned earlier does help us because we track how much gold people earn per hour. We track how much they make in dungeons. We track how much is in their houses. We track how much is in their banks. Mm, we track okay. all money flowing in our economy. Right. And we have very, very dynamic gold sinks. Okay. So that it can fluctuate and change due to changes in the economy. And also our one of our biggest end game things is customized housing. So uh, okay. players are going to dump enormous amounts of money into customizing their houses. And it's going to be definitely one of the most attractive and coolest things to customize in the game. Um, so if you want a giant castle that has all these really rare roofs or windows or walls right. or foundations, yeah, you're going to have to pay a lot of money for them. And so that's just one of the gold sinks, of course. So you're talking about like lumber current prices right now in real life, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that because I'm actually, I had someone come to build a deck or estimate yeah. an estimate. And I was like, what in the world? This is just wood. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. It's uh that's a rare commodity right now. Um, but you're absolutely right. If you don't have enough gold sinks, the economy gets out of hand. And once the economy gets out of the hand, you lose the players because then there's no player economy. Well, so and, then, and then and then it's 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 meaningless. You know, it's like yeah, in monopoly money, right? Yeah, well it's like in UO now in OSI, right? It's like, oh well this this mm -hmm. goes for a billion for this castle or whatever. And it's like, what? Like that just uh, you know, I don't even, I think they call it something else. I don't even remember. Is it a platinum? I, I don't know. There's some higher currency than over, you know, 999. Silver, platinum. Yeah. They, they Isn't it it's something kind of like currency. that? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. But it's gotten just so out of control, you know, where, you know, they've made some major missteps and even too in some of the private, you know, shards, you know, I mean, oh, it, yeah. people acquire all this wealth and it's just like, it, it wrecks the system and you know, I, and I'm just, I'm very curious to have a follow-up conversation in, you know, six months, a year, just to see, you know, how you've, to. because I know, you know, you guys are going to encounter things that you just, you couldn't account for. There's no way to know how, the, you know, people are going to play or stuff like that. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's expected. You know, we totally expect things to come up that we're going to have to solve fast. Right. And they're going to have to, you know, retrospectively look back and go, you know, well, if that happened here, what else could happen elsewhere? So that's just sort of the the nature of the dev cycle um, to a certain extent. Although we have had a really long uh, early access. <laughs> I mean, yeah. We've been in early access for four years. So I am hopeful 
that we don't have too many of those issues. No, I mean, and I can tell yeah. you, just logging in, you know, playing, I could tell this is a working product. This isn't like, you know, uh, where I think we're beyond the proof of concept, you know. Oh, and, yeah, definitely. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying? Because I think, like, you know, if you have a, hey, we beta tested for four months with, you know, my my cousin Joe and my uncle Bob and, you know, Hey, it looks good to me. You know what I'm saying? That happens. Right. And then you release it and it's a complete turd and you're like, Oh, there's all these, but you know, there's a lot of things to say about polish and we're even seeing that. Yeah. Well, we're seeing that with the new AAA, the new world, the ashes of creation. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. just a time sink. Absolutely. I mean, you're, you're totally right. Um, you know, and we, we spent a lot of time trying to avoid those, those things that happen. Yeah. Um, but to say that they won't happen, uh, is just, just not honest. I mean, <laughs> things well, yeah. are going to happen, but we definitely think that we're at a polished state. We wouldn't release our game if we didn't think we were at a polished state. And if you just run around the map, you can run around at 1440p, whatever your graphics card can handle. I don't know if you have a 3080, 3080 or what, what you have, but you know, we're doing like maximum frames at 1440p or 4K resolution yeah. on this map. And it's so we spent a lot of time optimizing this thing. It it so, really, you know, and just to give you a live, you know, feedback, you know, it, it really I drew a lot of parallels to Shroud in a way where it, it yeah. felt, you know, similar, but it had a lot of the core MUO systems. Yeah. Yes, in it where I was like, this is interesting. I'm like, you know, and, and my whole takeaway at the end was I was just curious. I'm like, how is this going to play out to scale? Like how, you know, no one's really experienced this. It's a huge secret. People yeah. have no idea that we exist. I'm sure a lot of people that listen to the, to your podcast have no idea about us. Right. So we're very excited about, about the future of it. And there's so much more to tell you about it. And uh, it, it's just funny. You know, I don't, I don't know if, <laughs> if I'll ever have enough time to tell you everything about it but yeah um but i'm but i'm really really excited about it and june 20th is is when it releases um, and are you guys going to do like uh you know like events and stuff like what what oh, is absolutely. kind of the roadmap you know you don't have to drill down in detail but what's kind of you guys' plan so um are you familiar with ultima the original ultima lore did you ever play ultima 7 honestly no six? i never played before ultima online at all that was my first ultima experience oh, okay. So um, I'll just share with you a little bit about it. There's, there's an, an evil god from original Ultima lore called the Guardian. Okay. And there was our hero, the Avatar, right. which uh, I guess would eventually um, end up being all the players in, in uh, <laughs> every individual player is the Avatar. Right. Um, and so that character, that evil god would in the original Ultima series would routinely just try to completely destroy worlds. Um, and okay. his whole mission was to just destroy humanity. So you will see uh, the guardian on legends of Ultima. You also see some other minor characters and villains. Um, Cora, the sorceress you'll see she's from um, dungeon covetous. I'm not sure if you remember her. No, but okay. Wow. You'll also see uh, Moriens, who was uh, the first necromancer. Um, so some of this stuff is like straight from Ultima, but a lot of UO players don't know anything about it unless they played those games. Right. And, and we're going to introduce them as, as event wor- world event characters that like you have to interact with that will do horrible and wonderful things in the world. 
That's really interesting. Yeah, no, I'm very just, I'm, I'm so curious, you know, as to, you know, how this works out because it, it just answers and check checks a lot of boxes that people have been asking for for quite a while. But I think it's checking them. I don't know what the best way to say it is respectfully, <laughs> right? Like it's, 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 <laughs> right. it feels to yeah. me like it's well done, right? Like, okay, this is, this makes sense. It's logical. And, you know, this has an opportunity to really scale to something big, perhaps. Like, do you guys have, you know, do you think you have enough staff right now to accommodate, you know, thousands of people? Or what is your kind of thinking on that? Yeah, we do. We, we definitely have enough staff right now to accommodate um, thousands. But if we were to reach like, I mean, if we were to reach, you know, UO 1998. Right. No, yeah, yeah. No, we don't. Yeah, um, I don't re- think. Realistically, though, uh, I think that we know who our player base is. If we're right. just talking about the people that play the private shards, and I mean the original UO engine. Yes. You know that that population is not humongous, right? I mean, no. maybe 5,000 people. I estimate 5 to 10 worldwide at 10. Right. If you include but, like, uh, right, right. The whole world. Yeah. But it's still very niche for sure. Yeah. Sure. But with our game being modern graphics, we have the opportunity to bring in a lot, lot more people. Well, cause it's going to be, Hey, I'm playing UO. And then he calls up his friend. Hey man, you want to play with me? And then he logs in and he's like, okay. You know, he does. Okay. Right, right. He has you know. no, yeah. He has <laughs> no you know idea. How gamers are right. Right. They'll judge a game just based on how it looks, which is the worst thing in the world. And it, it's driven me crazy for years. Like I know, and, it's, uh, and this may be something interesting, <laughs> you know, to know about me. I've never really shared, but I, I was, you know, I played and I didn't play for a very long time, but um, I loved logging into Black Desert Online and just yeah. walking around because it was so beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, like it was just my graphics were on max. I didn't, I mean, I played the character, you know, a little bit of the combat was kind of cool, but I never really like, you know, poured a hundred hours or a thousand hours or whatever. But I just remember, right, right. you know, walking around, I'm like, man, this is just really cool because that was the experience, you know, I was looking for in that game. You know, it was like just the glitz, the, you know, the environment, you know, I want to really see it, you know, and I think when it comes down to gameplay, I still, gosh, it's so... It's crazy to think, but like I still sheer back to you. Oh, yeah. All the time. And like that's sort of what we think our game is, is the marrying of the two. Right. So we are doing everything we can with the fullest respect and admiration to the original Ultima Online and all of its game systems. Right. But we're putting it into a modern engine that can really compete, that can use your graphics card and really work on a high refresh rate monitor. Well, so, I, mean, I we're know we're trying to do basically both things and and what we think is a product that will appeal to many, many more people. We and hope. I'll have to do is I didn't um, I wasn't looking at my frames when I was playing uh, earlier, but I, what I'm going to do oh, is okay. when I record my intro um, talking about this, I will look at what my frames were because, I mean, I was at 1440p, oh, like maxed out settings and I didn't hit any stuttering or lag. It was smooth um, yeah. for sure. And it looked... You know, some of it was just it was crazy. Like you're like, hey, let's cast an energy vortex, and like you know, it cast it started like, attacking you. <laughs> yes, that's true. And it was just like it, it it did capture a little bit in me where I'm like, this is inter- like this feels very new. This is inter- I like it, you know. And 
Um, I, I'm very excited to see what the future holds for you guys because I think oh, you, yeah, you've, yeah, you've really, you know, I'm not saying just you, but your team has poured, you know, a lot of hard work into this, and I think it, it, it really shows to me. Oh, we really appreciate it. And of course, it's a team effort. It's not all Stimwall. There's, yeah, it's a complete team. We have excellent folks on our team: Unity developers, infrastructure designers. We've got game designers. We've got support staff. We've got developers. I'm the the marketing PR person as well. Um, we have a complete team: um, artists, Deco. I don't, I don't want to forget anybody, but I probably have. So you're but, there just um, to look pretty like it's me, a team right? Effort. Yeah. 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 You know, I, I, I'm the, you know, I guess I would call myself sort of the voice. Like I get yeah. out there and I talk about it. I'm the one that's able to, you know, communicate and whatnot, but I still code. I'm still on the back end. Right. Um, I'm, I'm still, I'm still creating systems too. But, but yeah, just to circle back to your original question, since I never fully answered it, Hermes sort of represents the person that I was in Ultima Online. Okay. And Stimwalt represents the person who I became sort of wow. after I, decided to no longer be that person that was griefing and stealing from people. And so I've actually kept that name and I've used it all the way to this day from Ultima online. Wow. Well, I need to come up with a cool backstory or something like that. That sounds like, you know, something in a book, man. I feel real bad about my story. <laughs> no, nah, man, you got a good story and you, nah, you've yeah. done a really great thing for Ultima online. I don't know if anyone's actually said that to you, but you having this podcast is very important. No, this game alive. I, I do appreciate that. And I do get, I mean, I don't usually, you know, share them, but I do get emails usually at least one a week. And, you know, it does reaffirm that, you know, this is something that I'm going to continue to do. And I hope that this is some sort of archive, some weird archive. And when I'm, <laughs> yeah. you know, when I'm in my fifties or sixties, you know, I can look back on and say, yeah, this is, why, you know, we played and hopefully still played, you know, that, that old, but, um, that's kind of, you know, the goal with this, but okay. And to wrap this up, come full circle, walk me through, uh, in June when this thing releases, how do people play? Like, how do they log in or whatever? Yeah. So there's a website. I'll send all this uh, to you that you can just go straight to the website. Um, okay. uh, the link says play. And you just click click on the link. It explains exactly what you need to do. If you were a Legends of Aria backer, which maybe some of your audience was, uh, probably not probably. most of them, though. I think some but maybe, if, yeah. Some of them were? Okay. Well, if they were a backer of Legends of Aria before, then they can just um, go to the website. You're going to download the um, installer, and it's going to auto-update to the latest. And then you just click on the community tab, and you log into Legends of Ultima. It's pretty simple. Awesome. Um, okay. Now, if you were never a backer of Legends of uh, Aria, then you're, you'll have to buy a Citizen's Pass for 20 bucks um, in order to log into our server. Okay. Uh, we do, do recommend that if you have the opportunity to download the client and run it that way to do that, um, or you can get it through Steam. Um, so both are, are options for people. Awesome. And, okay. Yeah. And so uh, we launch June 20th. Uh, it's going to be a really, really big day for our passion project. It's been four years. Um, it's been four years since we started this. So this is a dream come true. Um, it was a dream four years ago, but now yeah. it's a reality. So really hope to see you guys there, and uh, um, I'd be happy to come back and whenever whenever you'd like to to talk about you know how it went. Yeah, no, I, I much appreciate it. I wish uh, you, you and your team you know the best of luck, and I hope this is an absolute smashing success. So uh, thank you again, Stimol, for joining me. 
Uh, thank you, Mustache. Like, likewise to you and your podcast. Keep going. All right, man. Thank you. All right. Take care.